You are listening to audio from The Creek Church. If you would like more information about The Creek, please be sure to visit our website at thecreekfw.com. If you got your Bibles, go to Ecclesiastes chapter 4. If you don't own a Bible, um, we keep some on the back tables for you, and if uh, you need one, take that home. We've been giving away a lot of Bibles over the last couple weeks, and here's the great thing about that. When we run out of those, we're going to order some more. Um, I love giving Bibles away. I love getting that, that into people's hands. And um, you, uh, I don't know if Alex said it because I was trying to hide this service, but uh, last week in the services, we had two people uh, give their life to Christ. Um, and that's a beautiful thing. And, and that's just, it's been happening around here. And, and there's just, a, just a, an environment of it and a spirit in the air. And it's just a good thing. And um, we've been in this series called Focus. And uh, it, it really... Uh, we're ending the series today, but we're kind of culminating it tonight with our, our special focus service. And at 5.30, we're starting a, a prayer time, a special prayer. There's going to be some extra worship. And um, we're just praying to set the environment and the tone for our hearts to come in and really re- receive and prepare uh, for what God wants us to hear. So if you can be here at 5.30, if not, just be here at 6. That's when the service starts. And then since tonight breaks our fast, we're ordering pizza. We're having pizza tonight, baby. So I asked, uh, I asked my team to get some pizzas ready for after service, so we're going to chow it down. That's back to my youth ministry days, man. If you had pizza, kids came. Um, but uh, we're having pizza tonight. It's going to be awesome. I'm excited about the message. I'm excited about what God has shown me over this, this 21 days. I feel like I've had uh, him speak to me with more clarity than, than any time in my past, and I'm excited about what all is going on with that. We've been breaking down this the passage of Scripture in Matthew 11, 28 through 30, where Jesus says, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Uh, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. I'm gentle and lowly heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And we taught that passage the first week of this series, and um, uh, there's so much that, that those three little invitational words of come to me, take my yoke, and learn from me, there's so much that those open up in our life that I wanted to take the time to be able to dive in and really understand what Jesus is really inviting us to because I, I came to this passage of Scripture through some, through some difficulty last year. I just Everything seemed challenging and everything was, was hard and life was just overly complicated and I just hit the wall and just, God, why does it have to be this hard? And he said, it doesn't. You're the one that's complicating it. And so I feel like God led me through a process to, to simplify some things in my life and simplify some things in ministry. And I feel like that, that's something that we as a church need to move into. And I hope, I hope you personally are following along with that and making some areas of your life more simple and getting some of the, the clutter of complicated out. And um, when Jesus offers these invitational words, um, I want us to understand some more about what this yoke is and what this yoke represents. And and when Jesus said, take my yoke upon you, he's really saying, I'm, I'm asking you and giving you an invitation to walk this life together with me. And it's not just for the disciples that he was speaking to then. Um, that's the beauty about the word of God. It is living, breathing, active, and it has, it has power in our life today and has the ability to change hearts and reshape lives. And, and I believe that, that this invitation, when Jesus says, take my yoke upon you, in the Greek, it says, well-fitting yoke. So there's a, a specific purpose, and it's tailor-made for each one of us, that when he invites us into this, it's together. He says, you'll find rest for your souls, plural, that we end up in times in life where we need this rest. We need God to give us some simple rest. And 
a yoke is, the definition of this yoke is, um, it's a wooden cross piece that connects two animals. And I was reading that and I was like, man, that's exactly what the cross is. And when Jesus, I mean, all these words were coming back. Like Jesus said, take up your cross and follow me. I was like, the cross of Christ. It's a wooden device. It's a wooden cross that connects God and me. That, that when Jesus calls us into this yoke and what the cross does is there's a, there's a connection with God and there's a connection that he's created us to have with other people. See, we're not designed to do life alone. Um, we're designed to be together. And, and, and our society, our context of society, really, we, we've kind of gotten off into this, off into the weeds, I think, because we've really become an individualistic society. We've kind of moved away from the community, like the front porch society to the back porch society where we don't want to talk to anybody. We don't want to have connection with anybody. We just want to do our lives. And we're, we're a lonely generation. And we, we got connections on Facebook. Um, we measure our friends by the number of likes on Facebook, which it, it's really become a point where that's, that's not a friendship. There's no connection. We think of connection as the ability to get on Wi-Fi so we can check our social media to see what our friends are doing. We live an individualistic life. And we tend to think that that context of society is normal all around the world, and it's not. I, I'm going to Africa next month, and we're taking a team of people for our Africa mission trip, and I'm going to get to see my, my sponsor child. And, and, and the, the context of society there is not individualistic. It is very communal. Um, it's still very much a tribal culture, and I think we need to get back to that because we need each other. We need our neighbors. We need friends. We need connection. We need not just surface level, shallow connections with people as acquaintances, but we need the depth of relationship that God has designed us to walk with other people in. And Jesus is inviting us when he says, take my yoke upon you. He's inviting us to be in a relationship together um, in Christ and with each other. So we're in Christ. There's part of the cross and with each other. That's the cross piece that, that connects us. That's the cross piece that connects us with God. And Jesus invites us into this. When we take on this yoke, um, we're simply saying, I'm submitting to your authority and your purpose for my life. Simply put, when we think about the yoke, the teaching really comes down to this, that, that, that we're better together. Solomon was one of the wisest men in the world other than Jesus. God said, you can ask me for anything you want, Solomon. And what Solomon asked for was wisdom. And God gave him wisdom. The book of Ecclesiastes is, is really a, um, an experiment that Solomon goes through where he wants to go and find what truly will fulfill us. Ecclesiastes 3.11 tells us that God set eternity in the heart of man, that every one of us are created with uh, some theologians. I mean, I, 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 it's kind of a cheesy analogy, but it works. Is this God-shaped hole. And what Solomon sets out in this experiment is, is what will fulfill my deepest desires and needs. And he chases all of these things. And at the end of the, he creates the result and says that the result of this is that if, I, if I'm chasing after anything other than God, then I'm chasing the wind. It's vanity. It's meaningless. It'll, it'll satisfy for a moment, but then it leaves a hunger much deeper. And God has set eternity in our hearts because he desires for us to come into that connection with him. That when you think about, about what God has done, he's chosen us since the foundation of the world so that we might be connected with him. And Jesus is inviting us into this connection. 
And Solomon says it this way in Ecclesiastes 4, uh, verse 9. says, two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. Again, if two lie together, they keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? And though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him. And then he makes this shift. He says a threefold cord is not quickly broken. What Solomon is saying is, is that two are better than one. And then at the end when he says a threefold cord, he says, you know what's better than two? Three. And you can, you can go on this progression. You know what's better than three? Four. Four, five, five, six. There's, there's, this, there's, there's something that happens when we come into this, this unity together. And what Jesus is saying is, look, I'm, I'm calling you to be together in me with each other. There's the threefold cord. And when we think about it, so, so church is this expression of us being together. So, so scripture gives us some, some kind of picture words for what church is. And scripture says church is a body. I mean, there's many references about the church being a body. Ephesians uh, chapter 4, um, Romans teaches us about the church being a body. 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 12, the church is a body. There's many members. For just, as body, for just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members though are, are one, though many, so it is with the body of Christ. And so um, the church is a body. So, so the church all around the world is an expression of the body of Christ. Christ is the head. The creek is a local expression of the church, a body where Jesus is the head. So the church is a body, and in this body, we all have a function, that we have a, a purpose in the body. Jesus calls us in, says, I'm, I'm calling you in to be unified, to be in this body for a function. Scripture also teaches us that church is a family. In Romans 8, we didn't receive the spirit of adoption, or we didn't receive the spirit of slavery, but the spirit of adoption, so that we may be called the sons of God and co-heirs with Christ. And we call him, we call God Abba, Father, that we have a perfect father. So when we think of church as a family, we have a perfect father. Church as a body, we have a perfect head who is Christ. This is hard context for some people because when I say church is a family and God is a perfect father, many of you... Um, don't have context for a good father. That you carry deep father wounds and, and emotional scars from family hurts. And so when you think of church as a family, that doesn't equate to you. But God has set the lonely in families. God has brought you into a family so that you can experience this, this culture, this, this relational nature. That there, we have a a function as a body set in a family, set in the nature. Now, the danger is when, when we think, well, I don't like church being a family because um, my father was not perfect or, or my family was, was off the charts dysfunctional. So I just want to consider church as a body. So if we're going to lean all on one side and all we're going to do is look at church as a body, then we look at, okay, I'm just all about function. And then we end up getting into a performance-based environment. It all becomes about what I can do. Because perhaps your baggage growing up is you had, to, you had to earn dad's affection. You had to earn affection. And so when we think of church as a body, we just get in this performance mode where I'm doing this so that God will love me more. 
Here's what you need to understand. God loves you, period. God loves you and set you as a part of that body and has given you a function, and that's what we operate in. We don't do it to earn his affection. And we just end up in this performance-based system where it's all about what I can do or what you can do for me or what I'm supposed to do for others. And and we just get in this mindset. and, And what we end up doing is miss the relational nature of a family. We've got to balance it. If we just say, I don't want to, I don't want to do anything in the body. I just want to be in a family. Because see, the body is do, family is be. I don't want to do, I want to be. And I don't know how you raise your children. I'm not going to get into that and I'm going to step on any toes. But I'll just tell you this. I have two daughters. When we were raising them, we taught them to work. At a young age, they had to do chores. Isn't that why we have kids anyway? I mean, I, mean, I need helpers. We taught our kids at a young age, you're going to eat dinner, you're going to help do the dishes. And I remember the night, but dad, I can't reach the sink. Okay, you know what? God invented trees and gave the wisdom to a man to cut down that tree and make what's called a step stool. (laughs) There you go. Get to work. See, we've got to live in a balance of that, that we are a part of the body, we have a function, but we're set in a family. So we, we have a function in a family. If we just say we're just going to, I just want to be in this relational nature, nothing gets done. There's no accountability. I mean, we just, we just get to this point of going, I just want to sit and, 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 and consume and, and, and just absorb everything, but I don't, want to, I don't want to function. That's unhealthy. We can't, we can't live in that way. That's not the way that we're designed. And I, I love going to restaurants on Sundays after church. I don't do it that often. But when I do, I, I, I like to play a game. And Heather plays it with me. I say, let's find the Christians in the restaurant. And it's not because they pray before the meal or they don't tip. Um, by the way, if you're a Christian, please, for the love of God, tip your servers. You know, we got some servers in here. And they, they love to eat. They like to eat, too. They want to get paid. So, so hook them up. Sir, tip your servers, man, um, and, and be kind. And a tip, let me just say, a tip is not writing on that receipt, Jesus loves you. <laughs> I, I go off on another preaching right now. You, you leave some money. Leave some, by the way, our tithe boxes are in the back of the room. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, what, what I... What I spot is this. It's a table of people that have absolutely nothing in common other than Jesus has brought them together. They don't look like they fit together. I mean, it's like when you see a, when you see a husband and wife, and you're like, I don't know what she saw in him. That's, that's what the church is. I don't know what we saw in each other, but you know what? God saw something in us to bring us together. And he has an incredible purpose. He wants us to walk in this unity. And when we walk in this unity, there's a blessing. Psalm 133 tells us that where there is unity, he commands the blessing. So when we walk in unity, it is God who is commanding the blessing. And, and this blessing is gonna bring some things. It, it, it kind of it, it brings this togetherness and brings unity that we walk in. And church is not uniformity. You know, there's, there's some, here's the thing, sometimes um, you can tell the Christians in the restaurant by they all look the same. That's not, that's not healthy. We're called the unity, not uniformity. But there's a blessing that happens 
that God anoints in that. And, and the first thing is this togetherness. It, it, it leads us to a unified purpose. It gives us a focus on purpose. And, and, and it, it kind of starts to drive into this. It, it means it's, a, it's, an, it's an exponential purpose. As, as Solomon said, um, two are better than one because they have a great reward for their toil. That means that there's two people that are focused together and moving in the same direction, and they have a better harvest, and, and, and they have a better return on this. I used to work with a, a pastor in my youth ministry days, and, and he used to say that when we partner together, there's an exponential increase. I mean, and that's what happens when, when, when two oxen are plowing in the yoke, um, there's, there's an increase because of what they can both accomplish. It, it moves into exponential, not just additional. And, and there's something just beautiful that happens in it. And if you're, if you're wondering what the purpose of God is, um, Scripture gives us a beautiful insight of what the purpose is. And when I study the life of Jesus, here's the reality, and here's his purpose, is that he's all about the harvest. In John chapter 4, he tells his disciples, look up, because the fields are white with harvest. Here they come. He tells his disciples in Matthew, pray to the Lord of the harvest that he sends workers into the field. So, so the purpose of God is all about Redemption, because that redemption is a life change. The mission that God has given us as a creek is to glorify God through lives changed by the message of Jesus. That's the purpose. What Jesus did on the cross, absorbing the wrath of God for our sin, being the penalty and payment for our sin, being resurrected on the third day was all for the glory of our Father, and that glory comes through lives changed. It comes through salvation. That's what it's all about. And you and I are called into that purpose. You and I are called to pursue and be unified in that purpose of God. And, and, and a lot of times we get into this mindset that um, we go through challenges or we go through difficulties and we kind of wonder, where are you, God? Because our mindset is that we're in this purpose of God and we think that we're in this yoke together with Jesus. I wanna challenge you a little bit on that, that thought process. What if instead of us being side by side with Jesus in the yoke, maybe it's set up like this other picture they're gonna put up. Maybe it's Jesus being the plowman and you and I are in the yoke together. Because there's a lot of times that when I pray and I go through difficult situations, I. God, I, I don't feel you. Where are you at? I need you. And sometimes the response is, is, I'm right here. I'm guiding you. I'm setting your direction and I'm setting your pace. And so you and I are, this helps us from going off base. See, when Jesus is the plowman, he's invited, he says, take my yoke upon you. So when we enter into this unified purpose in Christ with each other, he's then able to set our direction and he's able to direct our path so that we walk a path of righteousness. He's able to allow us to plow a straight line. Remember, Jesus said, if anyone puts his hand to the plow and looks back, he's not fit for the kingdom of God. It's because he can't plow a straight line. There's so many times we set out, like I'm gonna follow Jesus, I'm gonna pursue him, and we just end up doing this. It's because we haven't submitted to his authority under his yoke. We allow him to set our direction. We allow him to set our pace. Because here's what we need to understand, that in plowing, if you plow too fast, 
The plow cannot get to the depth that it needs to be. So when they come through and they plant the seed, it's not deep enough to be able to do everything that needs to be done to produce a harvest. It's a shallow seed. Jesus spoke about that. It just get the wind comes, it's gonna blow it away. It's easy for the birds to get. It can't get down into the nourishing water that it needs. So Jesus says, I'm gonna set your pace so you're not just going through life in a shallow mode, but you're gonna get to the depth of understanding of who I am. And we need to understand that he is with us, setting direction, setting pace, that keeps us from wandering through life wondering what our purpose is, we're focused on it. So we have this unified purpose. And then um, togetherness gives us a unified power. Us guys, we like this, especially when you think of plowing, because it relates to two words that relate to men, horsepower and torque, which in the words of Tim the Toolman Taylor that some of us still remember, oh, 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 you know, <laughs> give me some power, baby. You know, I, I, buy, I don't buy a truck for fuel mileage. I do love the environment. I do recycle, but when I buy a truck, I want two things. I want horsepower and I want torque, all right? I want, I want to know that it's going to get up and go when I say get up and go. Like those are my horses under the hood. When I say giddy up, we gone. I love it. There's some guys on my street that Heather doesn't want me. I, I'm not allowed in their garage because they own my midlife crisis cars. And I can tell by the, by the muffler when they come down my street. I'm like, hmm, that's so-and-so, that's, that's his ZR1. Oh, yeah, Tim's coming down the street. That's his Camaro Z28, 628 horsepower right there. <laughs> Heather's like, no, no. But I love horsepower. That, that's, that preaches to me, okay? That is a love language for me. But when we get into this yoke with Christ, there's a power that takes over. It was what Solomon said that two are better than one because one may be overpowered, but two can withstand. And we've got to get into this, this realization that, that we need this power, and this power comes from being together. See, in the yoke, one ox cannot pull the load, but two can get the job done. And then we need the right plowman leading the two, the team, to get it done. And you know what's better than two in the yoke? Three in the yoke, because you're gonna get a lot more power and a lot more torque. You're still gonna get the depth of the plow, but then you can move and get more accomplished. And we've gotta realize, I mean, we, we like the coffee cup verse, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. But a lot of times we, we, we don't realize how that strength comes because we want it by ourselves. The Apostle Paul wrote in, in 2 Corinthians about a thorn in his flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment him. And we don't know what it is. There's speculation, but we don't know. Some speculate that it was a physical ailment. Some speculate that it was an, an emotional issue. We don't know. We have some hints in Scripture, but nothing definitive. But here's what we do know, that Paul prayed three times for that to be removed, to be healed of that. And God responded to him. He said, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. So what we've got to do is we've got to get to a point where we can admit our weaknesses to God. And then Paul says, well, then, if that's the case, if your power is perfected in my weakness, then I'm going to boast all the more about my weakness because I want your power to rest upon me. And so we do, we do an okay job, 
at saying, God, here's where I'm weak. God, I need your strength to withstand this temptation. God, these are my tendencies. Help me to stay focused. And we're asking God for strength. God, I, want to, I need your strength to live this life that you've called me to live. I need your strength to be the man of God that you've created and called me to be. I need your strength to be the husband and father you've created and called me to be. I need your strength, God. And what I end up finding when I start looking for how that strength's gonna come, God shows me other people. When he says this strength is gonna come because I'm gonna send someone alongside of you. Because there are times when I go through uh, weak moments of my faith where I'm struggling with my faith of going, man, is, it, is this just really, um, is, this, is, this, is this it? Or, or I'm struggling, like, God, I'm not seeing you in this. And, and, and I know, I mean, I, I was raised that you're not supposed to doubt. But I have doubts sometimes, and I get in those, those times of doubt, and I'm going, God, what if you're not going to do anything here? God, what if, you, what, what if you're just leading me to the end of the cliff just to, so you can watch me fall? God's like, I'm a perfect father. I'm not going to do that. But what happens when I'm feeling weak in those areas, someone comes alongside of me and says, hey, come on, come on. It's what Galatians says, that we bear one another's burdens Come on, we can walk this together. Let's go. And there's times I'm just, I'm just weak. I'm just like, I, I, I really don't, I really don't want to, I don't have the strength to keep walking this path. And there's somebody that comes alongside to encourage me and says, lean in, I got you. When we launched the church, I wanted to get around church planters that were successful because an overwhelming majority of church plants fail in the first two years. I was in a meeting a couple weeks ago with a, a bunch of church planners that I've connected with and we're, we're talking church planning strategies and we were in downtown Fort Worth and, and uh, the pastor that was talking planted the church in downtown and he said, you know, I, I really struggled to find somebody that could encourage me because all the statistics say that downtown churches, uh, church plants fail, 95% of downtown church plants fail, 95%. He said, I was looking for somebody that could encourage me in what God had called me to do. He brings people alongside of us. So maybe the, the question to ask yourself is this, is um, who has God connected me with to give me strength? Maybe you need to do a, a personal inventory who are the people in my life that God has placed in my life that I'm together with, in Christ, with them, that they bring strength to me? They encourage me. Encourage simply means this, to put courage in. Who's around me that God's brought around me that puts courage into me? That when I don't think I can do it, they say, I know you can do it. And I'm gonna walk with you and we're gonna do this. On the flip side, who is God connecting me with that I can encourage them? that I can give them strength. Because my function in the family is not just to receive all the time and it's not just to give all the time. There's gotta be a balance there. If I receive all the time, I, I'm gonna get stagnant and I'm gonna get unhealthy and I'm gonna, I'm gonna be ineffective. If I give all the time, I'm gonna drain myself and wear myself out. There's gotta be a balance of giving and receiving. 
Who am I giving strength to and who's giving strength to me? We're de- that's the yoke. That's what we're designed to walk in. That's the power of God at work, that when we walk in unity, he commands the blessing. There is power in that blessing. That's an anointing of his power that we walk out together. And when all this starts happening, when, we, when, we're, when we're yoked in this and we're in this togetherness, it, it's gonna produce something because our lives are called to produce. Remember the harvest, that Jesus' purpose, all about produce, producing. You and I are called in. We have a function in the body to produce. We have a place in the family to produce. When we operate in this blessing and this anointing, it produces a unified praise. That, that everything we do is for the glory of God. Scripture tells us that whatever you do, do it for the glory of God. That, that whatever has a pretty broad definition. It is whatever you do. It's not like the teenage, whatever, you know, it's whatever you do. I, I said that so you'll remember it, see? So y'all gonna walk around and whatever, whatever. By the way, did I mention we're having pizza tonight? <laughs> After, um, <laughs> whatever, um, I'm getting hungry. But um, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Whatever you eat, pizza tonight, for the glory of God, I'm eating pizza. Whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Our lives should revolve around this, that everything we do is for the praise of his glory. Everything we do. That our lives together should be a unified praise to the glory of our Father. And, and, and there's a beautiful picture of this happening in Scripture. It's Revelation chapter 7. I want to read it to you. This is, John writes, uh, wrote the book of Revelation, and this is what God has showed him. But then verse 9, he says, after this, I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands and crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, which is Jesus. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures, and they fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God, saying, amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever, amen. What a scene that is. Man, when you think about that, that that moment in heaven when Every one of us are standing there together. We're all unified in praise to God our Father and to Jesus the Son who bought our redemption and we've been called into this. We are called sons and daughters. We've been placed in his family. We function as a body and together we have this moment that we see a glimpse of in heaven where we will be in unified praise, singing glory and honor and praise and might and thanksgiving be unto our God. Salvation belongs to our God and he has gifted us with salvation. Praise be to God. For I mean, just can you imagine that scene? People as far as we can see, from every nation, every tribe, there are no divisions. There is no wall of hostility. There's nothing but the blood of Christ that is uniting us in unified praise. What a beautiful scene that's gonna be. But it doesn't have to be for the future because Jesus said, I have come to bring the kingdom to earth. So when the church gathers, when the body gathers and the family gathers, we have the opportunity for a unified praise. 
that we come in. We come into this place and we lift up the name of Jesus together. We worship him together. And I can have, I can tell you, I can have some powerful worship times in my truck or in my office. But there's something about coming into this place with my family. There's something about when I just get taken, I mean, just this incredible moment when I realize we are singing in unity. That, that earlier, we're, every one of us, and it's just a loud, resounding, unified voice of praise that's saying, oh, precious is the flow that washes us white as snow. There's nothing but the blood, Jesus, nothing but the blood. We're refocusing ourselves on his goodness and his sacrifice and his grace that has been so wonderfully poured out to us. And we're in unity praising him. And it just does something. I mean, there's an anointing because where there's unity, God commands the blessing. And that blessing, I just feel the power of God rising up in me. And I, you know, I'm in that moment, I'm worshiping. I'm scared to walk out of here. I'm, I, I mean, I, I get stress and butterflies every time I have to get on this platform because I'm not speaking for Matt. I'm speaking the living word of God, and I'm asking God for that anointing beyond this time, and I'm scared. And when I hear that singing and that unity and that praise happening, the power of God, I can feel that anointment coming on me, and I can step up here and go, God, I'm going to do this for the praise of your glory. Because lives are going to be changed. And the greatest way we see lives change, the greatest way we see this praise is through lives changed. Remember in scripture when Jesus is teaching the parables about the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the prodigal son. At the end of those stories, Jesus says it ends with praise because they called their neighbors and their friends and they said, come and rejoice with me because what was lost has been found. At the end of the prodigal son story, you got the son showing up full of pig slop and stinking the stench of nastiness that we can't imagine. My gag reflex is ticking right now, just thinking about it. And you've got the father that's watching for his son. He sees him afar off. Scripture tells us the story is the father runs to the son. He embraces him. He puts his cloak on him. He puts his ring, which signifies his power and authority. He gives him this power and authority. He restores him into the family, and he yells back to everybody, go kill the fat cow because we're having brisket tonight. This son of mine that was dead is now alive, and there's rejoicing because of it. Scripture tells us that when one comes to repentance, when one person accepts Jesus as their Lord and Savior and says, I surrender to you, Jesus, there is rejoicing in the presence of angels. That God, our Father, is saying, come around. I'm celebrating because that's my son who was dead and now he's alive. That's my daughter who was lost and now she's found. That's the orphan that I have now adopted. This is my new child. Come celebrate with me. That's the greatest praise that we will ever be a part of. And you may think, well, my life, I'm, I'm saved. I've given my life to Jesus. Well, that's great. Praise God. There's been a celebration with your name on it. Next week, we're going to celebrate with baptism. But you know what our lives are now called to do? To walk together in this purpose of God of harvesting because we say, Jesus, I want you to meet. I want you to meet this. This is Jesus. I'm gonna connect you to Jesus and you're connecting with me. We're gonna walk this life together and you're gonna walk this in Jesus. There's great praise that happens. That's the beauty. This weekend, we've celebrated six decisions for Christ. There's just something happens in the unity and that blessing that comes from it that brings ultimate praise to God and we get to be a part of it to the praise of God. His glory. 
So I was challenged this week because I had to ask myself, is my life producing the praise of his glory? Because if everything I do, that whatever I do is for the glory of God, then my life should produce the praise of his glory. I'm not perfect in this. That's why I need people beside of me going, hey, Matt, that's, that's, a, that's not to the praise of his glory. They don't necessarily say it that way. Here's how they say, Matt, that's stupid. You oughtn't ought to do that. That's why community is a core value here. We're designed to do life together. We're called to be together in Christ with each other for the praise of his glory. I, I want to end service a little differently um, because I just I feel God has led us to, to, talk, to do this this weekend. So if you would, would you please stand? If you're able to stand, would you stand and would you just, would you just bow your head with me? Um, This is the fourth service of the weekend. And we've been able to celebrate six new family members this weekend. And what I love about the creek and the way that God draws people to himself. When he says, you worship me, I'll draw men unto myself. And at the creek every weekend, we have people who don't have a relationship with God. We have people every weekend, you're on the fence with faith. I don't know what this is about. I'm, I'm not ready to do this. I'm not ready to submit my life to this. And, and that's fair. But God's brought you here because of a purpose. And I want to offer you because I believe that there, there is the power of God at work in this room and he's brought you here for this purpose. And I want to offer that invitation to you this morning if you've never placed your life in the hands of Jesus, you've never asked him to be your redeemer, your savior, your Lord, and your leader, then I want to give you an opportunity to connect because the cross is a wooden connector through Jesus that connects us to God. And his invitation has come. So I want to I want to ask you this, and I want to give you I want I'm going to ask you to do something. If you're ready, if you say Matt, I'm ready this morning, and I'm ready to submit my life to Jesus as my Savior, my Lord, my leader, then I want you to slip your hand up so I can pray with you. I see it. I see it. I see you. say, Matt, I've, I've walked away from God and I've, I'm coming home. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand for me because I want to pray for you. Amen. Amen. I see you. I see you. Praise God. For the benefit of the family, I want us to do this together. We're all going to pray this together out loud for our family. I want you to say, Jesus, I come to you and I lay my life down for your life.
I'm asking you to forgive me, to be my Savior, to be my Lord, my Redeemer, and my leader. Please forgive me of all of my past. Let that be buried. And let me walk in a new life with you. Jesus, I believe with the faith you give me that you've made me new, that you died for me and you rose again so that I could be your son or daughter. Thank you for setting me in your family. I commit to follow you all the days of my life. Amen. Can we welcome our new family members? Come on, let's celebrate. In heaven right now, there is a party going on. Because when one comes to faith, there is celebrating in the presence of angels that we have a father who is rejoicing over us right now. And he is pleased with you. Let me tell you something. You've been just set in a family. The family ain't perfect, but daddy is. You've been placed in this body. You have a function. This body ain't perfect. We a mess, but we have a perfect head. And here's what your family commits to you right now. You will not walk this life alone unless you choose to. And I pray to our Father and head of the body, Jesus Christ, that you don't choose to walk this alone. You got a family that loves you. You got a family that's gonna walk with you together in Christ with each other. I'm gonna challenge you with another thing. Is everybody in the room on this challenge? We gotta be together. We gotta be connected. I've tried to make this as simple as possible. Out in the lobby, I've had a table set up. Sign says community. I want you to go to that table. I want you to sign up for our journey class. If you've never taken journey class, that's us helping you find your function in the body. I want you to sign up to get on a serve team, start volunteering because that's getting in a yoke with somebody and there's a great reward for that. We just saw a harvest this weekend. Praise God. And every person has a function in this family for that purpose. I want you connected in a yoke with somebody. I want you in a life group. Life groups meet in homes. I want you around kitchen islands because there's just something that happens around an island in a kitchen when you put chips and salsa and you bring Jesus into the mix. There's something that happens. If homes get full, we'll figure it out. Our goal around here is not to see how many people we can get in a room. We moved the men's Bible study because it was too full in that little room. We got some space. Men, you don't have to come sit that close to another man. (laughs) Praise God. We're studying through the book of Ephesians. I am blessed to see so many men hunger for the word of God. Ladies, you can't, it's not too late to sign up for that study. Men, it's not too late to come. We got homes, if they get full, we'll find another home. We gotta do this together. We gotta be connected to one another. I'm, I'm, I'm asking you as your pastor, as somebody who's walking in this yoke with you, let's do this together. I'm not gonna pray for us. I'm gonna give us a benediction through the word of God. This is a a benediction from the book of Romans that I wanna read over us. I think this is just a beautiful close to our time together. 
May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. Amen. I love you very much. Thank you for listening to this message from the Creek Church. We invite you to listen to other messages on this podcast, or if you have any questions, you can email us at info at